Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Savanya Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The Coterie's recovery is almost over after Hootie Tootie Rootie's explosive death. Everett was wise enough to allow Evangeline to take charge at the press conference, but when the crowd was getting fired up, Doris announced her upcoming Vampire-Human Friendship Festival. Meanwhile, Val had titanium grafted to her bones to make her even stronger. What will happen when these wounded officers return to the station? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. The week spent in the hospital has ended. All of you were fully healed, one of you with secretly metallic bones through the majority of their limbs. You have returned home and it is your first day coming back to the sheriff's office, except for the two of you who live in the sheriff's office. You spent the night there, I mean the day there, and are waking up at the beginning of the night. The first thing that I want to deal with before everyone arrives, Doris, your bloodstones are complete. You have finished them. They are Joe. ready they are active. The one thing that you realize as you can feel the pulsing of them to know where they are located relative to you is that you're probably not going to be able to run a ton of these simply because if you had like 60 signals in different directions, it can be yeah. tough to read which one's where. So it just means you're not going to be able to make like 100 of them and put one on cool. everyone. But you can deactivate them again at will. Okay. You're in charge of this magic. So, so I have two now, right? Yes, you've got two now. And you can always be making more so that you've got backups just sitting in your apartment. Great. Uh, I also imagine you may have started some. So we'll just say that you always functionally have two you can use at any time. We'll build this cool. in the same way we do your spider potions uh, and other ways. All right. Uh, the first thing we need to do is dive into what today's tarot reading looks like. Yes. So it's wits and occult. All right. Wits. All right, six. Here we go. And I have to include my hunger dice on this, right? Uh, yes. Okay. It always confuses me. 
But um, any bestial six like messy successes or bestial failures, they they'll be relative to what yeah. you were doing. It's not like and then you ate Troy because you didn't like the card. <laughs> okay, uh, that's two successes. Two successes. All right, you flip over a card, and what you see is a mountain lion stalking down a hill towards a rabbit at the bottom, and the rabbit seems clueless of what is going on. Okay. Um, okay, then she's going to she's going to take the card, and she's going to shake her head and look at all of her cats. Um, uh, and just say, uh, this better represents you and not the pyramid. <laughs> Otherwise, I've got a lot more work to do. A lot sooner than I thought. Fabulous. So you, you get to wrap up your morning there. Every, you wake up in the basement of the sheriff's station, as you usually do. Is there any morning ritual that you would partake in before you'd go up to join the rest of the team? No, I don't think Everett has a morning ritual. I think he gets up and he goes to work. Do you and I, do you sleep in the same clothes every night that you wear through the day? We have established that I will say for continuity purposes, vampires don't sweat. You don't produce any of those things. So there's no such thing as body odor. It's not like wearing clothes would make them dirty. It's just the environment that would do that. Um, I think, um, uh, well, he wouldn't lay in the coffin naked like Ridley. <laughs> <laughs> Which he is—he he knows that that guy to do. Um, <clears throat> but no, I imagine uh, like the uh, like the sheriff uh, uniform is like draped over a chair or something like that. Um, he gets up. He's got like probably like an undershirt on and, and just the pants, and then puts the shirt on and and uh, heads up. Great. So you're, you're probably a relatively organized guy. So we'll say Barty and the day crew sort out dry cleaning. So, you know, you have three of the outfits. There's always yeah. two of them that'll be functionally available for you. Right. Uh, in the morning, Evangeline, you wake up. It's time to go to work. You've got your, your morning ritual. Teddy is there. Yep. If you want to partake in the usual breakfast. Ooh, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's Teddy hanging out? Teddy brought you a breakfast and then like awkwardly stands there for a second and then turns to go because he's not sure if he should be there or not. Uh, Evangeline just takes it and like sits cross-legged on her bed and starts drinking. Cool. So you end up drinking alone because he wasn't sure if he was supposed to say you didn't say right. anything. So he's he's exited. Uh, and then you go out and meet Val at the car. Val, at your place, Will was working. He's, he's kind of in and out now with the job and his two new friends. Uh, you've got your new bones. You're getting used to it. Uh, you're heavier and a little bit more awkward. So it's a combination of two <laughs> things, which is just for dexterity. It's harder for you to do fine things without breaking things because you're that much stronger. Uh, and and you're also just when you get into Cherry, which was speed repaired by Ripcord Mechanics. That Cherry, you can imagine not having seen it, was an absolute wreck. Uh, and instead, Cherry looks exactly as you left Cherry, only cleaner and a little bit more organized. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's been lost for you, sadly, are your tapes, <sighs> which were shredded when the car went down. 
Oh, fuck. So instead, they have put in Sirius XM radio <laughs> in your dashboard so you could pick whatever music you want, but they couldn't get the tape deck back to you in short order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as you climb in, Cherry sits a little lower on the driver's <laughs> side than Cherry has previously. And what do you listen to as you drive to Evangeline's? I think that that is something that she's going to have to get used to. And I think when she first got in the car in the morning, she went to, without looking, went to push it and push the buttons and it's all different. And I think yeah, she it's... tried to figure it out. She is not great at electronics. She tried to figure it out. She found like a Fiesta music and she found <laughs> uh, like NPR and then just angrily turned it off. So it is silent in the car. All right. Just Evangeline, you less get... dexterous fingers trying to tune a new radio. <laughs> <laughs> Push one of the buttons that goes all the way it into in. the console. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so uh, Evangeline. <clears throat> you climb into Cherry. There is no music playing, and you can see one of the buttons on the radio have been pushed inside the dash. <laughs> and Evangeline was like, like a second before she saw that, she was about to say, like, comment on there not being music, and so you just see her open her mouth, see the dash, and just. Like turn, do a sidelong look at Val, and then just look forward, put her seatbelt on, and just she just mutters, "Sorry." In the back seat, Percy is absolutely thrilled because Percy loves sleeping in like the foot areas and and wheel wells of cars, and that was impossible because it was all tapes. But you, behind you, Percy <laughs> is just gloriously on the floor section of his car doing that thing where dogs like roll over a bunch and then like squish themselves around so it smells like them. So Percy is claiming the the footrests of the the back seats of this vehicle on your way to the sheriff's station. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Val has no comment. Val is back to usual sunglasses and toothpick and has will not even respond physically or out loud to the sorry. Just taking them to work. All right, you all arrive at the station coming down from upstairs, up from downstairs, in through the front door for your day. Now, Everett has done kind of a, a morning check-in with everyone previously. Would you want to continue that, Everett? Is that kind of where your days will start? Uh, Yeah, I think just getting everyone together to see what the what's on the docket for the night. Great. Barty and Troy, as the other two officers in the building, will join these meetings to just pass on what happened during the day or anything else that came in. Uh, Troy passes a box uh, to you, Doris, and says, "These are all the uh, the suggestions that came in overnight. We put the bag downtown. We put the box downtown so that people could respond anonymously. Uh, maybe you want to go over those." Oh, thank you. I'm I'm very glad that the community is responding so quickly. So, Doris, you have a a brief moment to flip through these before you present to the rest of the group. Uh, There are 22 suggestions that all say surrender to the pyramid, all written in different handwriting. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, There is one suggestion that says, let the mortals leave New Haven. This place is a hellscape. And then there are three that are requests for the Friendship Festival. So I am because you had said at the press conference that people could have whatever they wanted at this festival. So what do you share with the group of this? And then you have to share the three suggestions for the festival because that's an everyone problem. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I think, I think you like, <laughs> you see her face. She goes through every single one of them in front of everyone. Um, and just like, but the first surrender the pyramid, you see her face just glow. Her face just gets angry and angry and she's just flipping through them really, really quickly. Mm. And then it's, and then it's like, um, she hits the mortals one and it's kind of a perplexed look and kind of hands it silently to Everett Fry. And then uh, looks at the last three with the festival and, and kind of uh, her face just kind of instantaneously lights up and just say, well, we have three that want a friendship festival, which is better than the, uh, the 15 who want me dead. So those are, those are the rabbits for today. And these are the mountain lions. If 15, hang on, let me see those. And I just see surrender to the pyramids. Oh God. All right. We may have to bump up the timeline on your, uh, that's what I've been saying. Right. Right. All right. Uh, but it's working. What a great suggestion box. Three different suggestions. Then what are those suggestions, Doris? Oh, what? Oh, I mean, like surrender to the pyramid. No, no. I mean, what are the three things that people in town wanted at the friendship festival? That are those last three cards? Oh, I thought you just, I thought you said like the three suggestions were let's have a friendship festival. No, no, no. They're for things people want to have at the friendship festival. Because you said at the press conference, (laughs) it'll be whatever people want. So people are starting to write down what they want and submit it in the suggestion box for the friendship festival. Got it. Um, they want they want me to do tarot readings for the community. I would say you recognize the handwriting on that one. That one's definitely Marjorie. <laughs> Fair. Um, they want to see. One of them says uh, Val is scary. Uh, can she do something fun? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um. And the other one is something saying, like, can we have, like, a mortal kindred kind of activity? <laughs> like a three-legged race or something. I don't know. Bringing, bringing the two together uh, to, like, strengthen community bonding. A mortal kindred three-legged race. I'm ki- Okay, okay, you're going with that. All right, cool. I mean, you it's the only actual <laughs> suggestion you gave, and these are from people in town, so that could have been a little kid who just wants to do a three-legged race. Like, this is very much just going what to be could vampires be. dragging mortals <laughs> through the goddamn dirt tied to their ankles. <laughs> Fucking fiasco. Oh, no. <laughs> So those are the three suggestions that are made, uh, that are read aloud to the group. Val, what is your reaction to hearing somebody wants you to do something fun? <laughs> Val just, what the fuck? It doesn't fucking say that. And like, comes over to look at it. Who it the, does say that. Who the, who the fuck would write this? I don't know. That's why it's anonymous. <sighs> you are a very scary person. Yeah, sorry, Val, but like anyone who's ever encountered you... I'm sure they meant it in a nice way. We should be getting to know the community that we serve. Yeah, I know I'm fucking scary. That's not what the problem is. What what the fuck am I supposed to do? Do you know how to juggle? No. Oh. And she looks out of ideas. Uh, (laughs) Doris, could you roll me a wits and awareness? Yes. 
You juggle? No, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> now Doris is racking that brain to come yeah. up with something else. Okay. Um, uh, that's three successes. The only other idea you have is that Val could dress up as a clown. <sighs> yep. Um, okay, great. <laughs> Wait, I have one other suggestion that just came to me. Um, perhaps you, perhaps you could dress up like a clown. I've heard children like clowns. Well, Everett has to, Everett has to be somewhere else. Everett, <laughs> Everett, there's a phone ringing somewhere in the station and Everett has to go answer it now. <laughs> so Everett just says, there's a phone ringing and leaves. <laughs> just, do you go is to, that, is that my phone? And just gets up and leaves. Do you go to the sheriff's <laughs> office, the evidence locker or the cells? Sheriff's office. All righty. Belle will get up and stalk up to Doris and stare down at her. And when you first suggested this fucking festival, what was the one fucking thing I said? I don't remember. Time is very no fleeting. fucking clowns. I'm not doing that. Oh. Right. Could it have something to do with the trauma at the house, perhaps? That's... Hmm. Right. No clowns. She turns and looks at Evangeline. Evangeline, what's a fucking fun thing to do? Um... Do you play an instrument? No. You could do a comedy show. Yeah, can do you know any jokes? Oh. You could do some kind of um uh feats of strength. Is that fun? I don't know. Perhaps like lifting things and and children could hang off the ends of them. Make you more approachable. Oh, that's actually that's a really good idea. Turn her strength something that could be scary into something fun. Exactly. All right, that could work. Okay, so Val can become a human ride for children. <laughs> yeah. I can see no negative repercussions. <laughs> no way it can go wrong. Uh, then Troy speaks up and says, oh, we've been, we've been getting a lot of calls. Uh, and I kind of held him off for like a week. And I know that you you were you were not feeling great, Doris, but uh, we've had a number of children call us because their cats have gone missing in the, the Malkavian quarter. And then uh, we kind of found like a bunch of dead cats. So like... What? What? Yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of dead cats in the Malkavian quarter. We don't know what's eating them. So we kind of need to send... Normally, I would say a car, but there are only four of you, and the new policy is that all four of you have to go, but we, we need you to solve the who's murdering all the cats mystery in the Malkavian Quarter. We need to go right now. Someone get the sheriff. Where's she Everett, Everett was listening, uh, just oh. in case he <laughs> had to gun down one of his deputies before she destroyed <laughs> the entire station at the prospect of being a clown. Um, uh... uh Harvey comes to mind for Everett. Harvey's in town and Harvey, he, he drinks animals. Um, so 
Everett would would just kind of lean back in his chair, kind of through the doorway of of the sheriff's office, and say, um, "Everett, can you roll me yeah. a wits and awareness?" So I don't fall out of my chair. No, this uh, is just so you might know something before you start talking, or you, you might not. And awareness, one, two, three. Uh, we haven't. Uh, I mean, we're we're kind of so to speak, fresh out of the hospital. Um, what's, what's hunger? One like? hunger. It'll one be hunger? one hunger standard any morning, unless you are not given, unless you don't have access to rations. If you wake okay. up at the station, you've had rations. You're in a good place. Okay. Uh, three successes, three successes. You are aware that for Doris, uh, and possibly evangelist as well, but for Doris, especially cats are of religious significance. So you don't know how Doris will react to discovering that Harv is the one eating cats. She did suggest to burn down the pyramid because she just doesn't like them as far as you know. <laughs> There's an organization that she says doesn't like her. What'll happen if someone's killing the animals she likes more than people? In my defense, yeah. they sent me organs in a box. <laughs> that Thank is you. true. And again, not criticizing Claire, speaking I to know. Everett as Everett's brain about Doris. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I think it would kind of change his approach to it. Instead of saying like, Hey, maybe it could be hard. We could just talk to him. <laughs> uh, he would, uh, uh, just kind of, uh, say to Troy through the, through the door of the sheriff's office, uh, um, has it, uh, is it clear that those cats have been, uh, drained, you know, or, or have they just been, uh, sorry, Doris, but what? In what way were these animals killed? Uh, I mean, they're torn open, but I don't know if they were drained. We don't do autopsies on cats. It's not like, oh, we found a dead cat. Let's call the coroner. You sure no. want me to do that? No. Well, first, you know, you find one dead cat. It's not like you call the coroner. You have found a lot of dead cats and you are now telling the sheriff's department. So we need to start. If this is to be taken seriously, that's we do need to take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you because, like, Jiro Kishimoto called. He's, he's seven, uh, and he seems very bothered by the fact that his cats disappeared. And then there were a lot of dead cats. That's true. That's true. I should have called the coroners. I should have called the coroners. I fucked it up. I'm so sorry, Sheriff Bart. <laughs> are you still talking to me, or are you talking to Bart? I don't even know. I'm just so scared. It's all right. You did the right thing coming to us. His cats are mess. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry when we find out who's doing this i'll kill them well now might we should investigate uh and well, that's, uh and we find investigate out what's going on and then we find out who it is and then we kill them for killing cats i mean we just did our our six laws workshop where there was no laws about cats yeah and a lot of people have died in this town <laughs> in a <laughs> short amount of time maybe uh Maybe we kill them. Maybe we explore other options. Let's just let the investigation lead us. Follow the evidence, that sort of thing. Right. You're in charge. Thank you. That is the most unnerving thing Doris has said <laughs> to Everett. <laughs> just, yes. I agree with you. You're in charge. <laughs> um, uh, Bart is there. Anything else we should be made aware of tonight? It's everyone's kind of first night back at the station, back on duty. I mean, just know that people are going to be 
really watching you because it's been like that there was that the 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 town hall and then the the bomb and you disappeared and people do not feel safe people do not feel good just try to do good and don't do shit that'll scare them that's all please don't kill anyone who is a human and if it's a vampire do it in a secret room or something right and Everett just can't shake the picture of Doris just like setting Harvey on fire. <laughs> right, right. Well, if that's all we've got for tonight, I'd say that's maybe a good a good warm up. You know, no uh, no dead mortals or vampires to investigate. That's good. Start with these cats and see what happens. Okay, so I only fucked up the warm up. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just shut up. Don't make this about you. It's about the cats. (laughs) Uh, Evangeline, you do remember that you had wanted to follow up with Barty about this phantom chair. You read my mind. Um, (laughs) Yes, seeing Barty and knowing we're about to leave. uh, Evangeline kind of motions to Barty uh, to just kind of like go into the office so she can have a quick word. Hi there, I'm Tom McGee, and I love stories. And odds are, if you're listening to our shows, you do too. So, if you're wondering how you can help support our storytelling and world building and these wonderful characters and their sometimes ridiculous journeys, you can head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. There you'll find a variety of different levels and different perks, starting from as low as a dollar, which gets you into our Patreon-only Discord, where you can talk about the latest episodes, all the twists and turns, and just generally hang out with some truly lovely people. There's a whole variety of levels with everything from advanced episodes, ad-free feeds, to of course at our $25 level, getting to create your very own character who appears in some of our shows and sometimes becomes a a long-running friend or foe of our characters. So, if you want to get involved, if you want to help us tell more of these stories, then head on over to patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E and help us create more of these fun adventures together. Oh, I gotta go into my office with Evangeline. You guys... Gear up! You all have your gear on you. Your your vampires. You get it yeah. there, but you you. I'll end be. Up... I'll be. I'll be just just a minute. And he he welcomes you into his office. And he closes the door. And he sits down. And he's like, "All right, who are you filing the HR complaint against?" I mean, it's <laughs> Doris. Just crazy shit. We'll we'll bring paperwork into it if we no, have to. Party. It's nothing like that. It's just a missing chair. Uh, oh. Costa said he sent a chair over here for me. Who? Uh, Costas? Oh. Remember him? What? <laughs> Bart, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just one of those days. Uh, and he reaches over for his coffee mug and then just smashes through it with his hook hand. And he's like, ah, <laughs> oh, god damn it. I got to get one of those metal mugs. Okay. Okay. You want to know about? Yeah. Uh, Costas had sent over a chair that he'd made. Uh, and it was well, a I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't get no chair. You think we're a mail depot? Well, I mean, why would he lie? I don't know. People do a lot of things. Uh, okay. Can you roll me? <laughs> can you roll me a uh, realistically a composure if you're getting upset or wits if you're trying to like math this out with your gut? Yeah. Uh, and then I would accept either uh, probably 
subterfuge if you're trying to see through it or, or streetwise if you're trying to see through that or we could just go with the straight awareness it's just awareness like evangeline doesn't suspect anything like obviously someone else received the chair if barty didn't so all righty then wits and awareness yeah uh three successes Oh, just a second. I got to I got to do my opposed role here. Oh man, that's a lot of ones. <laughs> oh, no. you, you just stand there mathing it out looking at Barty and he goes, "I'm not lying. You're lying. You're shut up." Barty. Barty, what, what? happened to the chair? The uh, uh, What did you do? I mean, I did my duty. It's what I did. Like I like I did in Nam. I you get an order and you gotta follow it. Wait. No matter how much it hurts. Wait. You or how many chairs you, you lose along the way. And Evangeline just thinks about like the who can give Barty an order. All right. What did the sheriff tell you to do with the chair? I'm not telling I I didn't tell you the sheriff did anything. I don't know how you know that, but I didn't tell you. And you you, well, you tell said him. you received an order. I, I don't know anyone else who gives you orders. That I I, I'll take orders from him. You've seen Troy. He bosses me around. He's so strong. Okay, I'm not a good liar. Okay, I'm not a good liar. Uh, the sheriff wanted a chair, so I asked for a chair, and then I gave it to the sheriff. And now the... I mean, just a second. And he checks it, and, and he flips over to the calendar, and he sees, oh, okay, they picked up the garbage this morning. I don't know what happened to the chair. So you, a very nice, traumatized man. He's traumatized? Uh, yeah, just a bit. Um, well, I didn't know that. Gifted a chair meant for me. And then you threw it in the garbage. What? No, I did not do that. I was only following orders. My orders were to give it to the sheriff and then to take the shattered pieces of it and throw those in the garbage. Huh. Man, I really thought I'd be better at lying, but I fucked this one up pretty, pretty hard. I swear I could lie to the townsfolk, though. Maybe not you guys, but I could lie I, to anybody else. I know. I know, Barty. Thank you for, um, for telling me the truth. You're welcome. Yeah, we're good. Please, please, we're good. please don't tell the sheriff. No one can ever know. Wait, why not? Because the only he and I know about the chair, and then if you if you tell him about it, then he's gonna know that I I didn't, didn't keep the secret. I'm just. I... Wait, wait. So what if you what? get Doris to say that she whammed me, and that's how you found out the truth? It's not my fault if I get whammed. That's just. You got a vampire in your brain. Stuff comes out. Huh. No, 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 no. Definitely not going to do that. Um, oh, no. What if I, I make you a new chair? You can have this chair. And he points to his chair. It's so, just a bent so did metal the sheriff, piece of shit. Wait, did the sheriff break the chair? Did well, Yeah, was it he was the act? only one in the basement. So he broke it, definitely. What? Okay, yeah, he seemed you know, really pissed off, and then he was so much more calm afterwards. What the hell? I know, okay. I know. Do you want an iced tea? How about a cigarette? You can have both. 
Uh, yeah, I'll take an iced tea, honestly. Oh, here you are. Thank God. And he opens up his fridge and he has an iced tea that he gives you. It's just, it's chock full of iced teas. Thanks. She pops it open, drinks, and just leaves. Thanks. Thanks, Barty. And behind you, uh, he closes the door and just says to herself, it's the first time a vampire's ever taken a nice tea. And you step out to rejoin the officers as they are heading to Cherry to head to the crime scene. Uh, is there well, anything you want to well, say to anyone? Eventually? Well, oh. well, I think Val? before they even get outside, Val will take keys off the wall <gasps> for one of the cruisers and throw it at Everett and say, you drive. <laughs> This is uh, <laughs> unexpected behavior. Uh, I think the keys hit Everett's chest and just dropped to the floor. It's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Stoop to pick them up. And Val will go outside and stand next to the cruiser that the keys are for and get in the passenger side. Oh, all right. He looks at Cherry, remembers Cherry was at ground zero. Uh, and I think because, like, like, I don't I don't think I don't know how aware he is of um Val's relationship with the the mechanics. Um so I think he like just has a fleeting second of like how many how many cars does Val have? <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go to the cruiser. Uh Evangeline's going to wait till she has a moment alone with Everett. They have Everett's right leading now. the way to the cruiser, so you might have to engineer a moment, or unless yeah. you want to save it for later this, in the day. This will, this can be saved for later. It's not urgent. Um, she wants to know why he seems to hate her so much, but like, there's going to be, yeah, a reckoning. All right, yeah, yeah. So Percy's with you. Percy is doing like extra subtly soothing behaviors. He's just a little close. He's really playing the cute head angles just to try to like get you distracted by how nice he is. So he climbs in the back seat of the car with you. Now, this is a squad car of the New Haven Police Force, which means it does have the lighting rig on top. Doris, <laughs> do you ride in the trunk? Or this is the rare car where you have the space between the two lights that you oh, could yeah. sit there and hold on. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Doris is riding the top <laughs> of the squad car. Ever yep. you are driving... Uh, the so thing with carefully, so <laughs> like <clears throat> Everett, can you roll me a drive test? We got to do uh, driving. I think is is yep drive uh, and dexterity or uh, no sorry drive and intelligence is what I want for this one or wits. If you think you'd be cool. trying to know where to go or trusting your gut on heading in the right direction, uh, I think he would probably even though it's not as good a stat, he would be using intelligence to try and know where to go. Great, because um, I don't think. I don't think he's spent enough time conscious in this city to uh, know where where everything is. Cool here. Here we go. Uh, one success. One success. Okay. Your problem is you know roughly where the Malkavian district is, but you don't actually know how to get there. So you are driving and having to be given advice from the passenger seat slash above. Because <laughs> Doris knows this town really well, and Doris can yell instructions from on top of a carriage, and Doris can't hear if Val is also telling you mm -hmm. what to do from directly beside you. So you have two people telling you 
yep. where to drive to get to the address that you are going to. I like to think that Doris is like leaning over and like tapping either the left or the right side of the the windshield to kind of direct whether he needs to go left or right. Little hands creeping down to yeah. And Val has the passenger side seat like leaned back, and she's leaning back, and she has her eyes closed. But then occasionally we'll be like, no, no, go right this, right on this street. Just if it knows it and is yeah. not looking. So you have some random directions being yelled at you also. Amazing. So it is an incredibly frustrating drive for you, Everett. Uh, and Evangeline, you can get no joy out of watching him be tortured as you normally would be able to enjoy from a distance. But yeah. things are a little too dark and a little too confusing. Uh, and you end up at... A house in a suburban neighborhood. This is a, a nice, normal, semi-modern looking house in a small townhouse area in the Malkavian district. Uh, what is the name of this street, Laura? Sunderland Avenue. Great. You end up on Sunderland Avenue. This is one of the newer developments within New Haven, which means it was built in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, it's a townhouse structure. Uh, you go up and you knock on the door of the Kishimoto family. Uh, and Jiro answers it. Jiro is a seven-year-old boy who is wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants shirt uh, and then just a bathing suit. There are no pools in this neighborhood. That's just who Jiro is. Uh, his His hair has an almost Boris Johnson level of ruffled to it. Uh, it is it is a deep black, but it is ruffled. And he looks up at all of you and says, The cops! Hi! Uh, hi there. Um, you must be Jiro. Yeah. Are your parents home, Jiro? No. Where are your parents? Work. They both work, huh? And you stay home alone, is that right? Sometimes. Is that, is that the case today? Is anyone else home? No, just me. But just for a little bit. They'll be back in like an hour. That's oh, why I'm watching SpongeBob. And he points and there's a TV on around the corner. Usually I would have uh, Mr. Kitty to look after me. But Mr. Kitty is gone. And that's why, we, that's why I called you. They told me I shouldn't call you, but I called you. Because they say if something bad happens to someone you love, you should call the police. Well, I think you did the rat thing tonight, Jiro. Um, uh, Officer Barbara, would you be so kind as to uh, interview uh, young Mr. Jiro here just for any kind of pertinent details? Uh, Jiro, do you mind if we take a look around uh, your property, uh, see if we can find any evidence? For go ahead, but don't go in the basement because it's dirty. So guests don't go down there. And don't go to mom and dad's room or you'll get in trouble. I understand. Uh, where did you see Mr. Kitty last? The last time I saw him was in, in the backyard because there's holes in the fences. So he goes through the different backyards and there's the ravine down the block. And I saw him go towards the ravine. And then I didn't see him anymore after he got picked up. He got, he got picked up. Yeah. Yeah, someone picked him up, so I figured they must have been, like, helping him come home. But then, no. Right. Uh, Barbara, try and get a description. Uh, everyone else, let's head to the, the backyard. And Doris immediately pulls out a, a pad of paper and a pen 
to draw whoever this small child tells her took his cat. Are you are you like young too? Because he looks at you, and compared to the other officers who look very adult, we know Doris yeah. is different with like a fun hat. <laughs> In my own way. Oh, neat. What happened to your eye? I got in a fight over a tarot reading. You shouldn't oh. fight, small child. No, I don't. I'm I'm good. Sometimes Mr. Kitty would hit me, but he didn't mean it. Mr. Kitty would never take your eye. Exactly. He tried once, but it's okay because uh, he learned his lesson. I'm sure he did. So what do you need to know? I need to know what the person looked like who took Mr. Kitty because okay. we're going to find him. And oh, we're going. Oh, what are you going to do? And she kind of side eyes wherever it left uh, and just says, uh, <laughs> we're going to bring him to justice. What does that mean? I'm not allowed to tell you. Do you have like a friend named Justice and he's going to go visit your friend named Justice? Let's say that. Okay. Are you going to give my Mr. Kitty back? <clears throat> so I would I would like to have Mr. Kitty back and no justice. Right. Uh and she's like, fuck, it's been so long since I've dealt with this small child. Um uh, I promise that we are going to do everything we can to get your cat back. And if we can't Oh no. Then, uh how about you tell me about the person who took him? Okay, so um, he was he was tall and he had shaggy hair and he wore shorts and his legs looked like skeletons and he had a big tummy uh, and he wore a shirt that was covered in flowers that were so colorful that they didn't match his tan short at all. And she's like sketching this. Yeah, I, he seemed to chuckle to himself sometimes. Otherwise, just talk very quiet to himself sometimes. How long did you see him for? Like a minute. He was far away, though. I'm not allowed to climb the fence anymore after I cut my leg. See, look, it left a scar. And he shows you he has a little scar on his calf from where he must have cut his leg climbing the fence. Well, scars are going to benefit you later in life. No one oh. wants to mess with someone with scars. Oh, they're going to think I have such a strong leg. Do you have any scars? I mean, she's going to kind of point to her eye. Oh. Um, Do you have any other scars? Um No. No physical ones. Scars? <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Not ones you can see. But oh. the mind is a very very complicated place. That's true. Do you like cats? I have 9. Oh. You're lucky. You are so lucky. And then he just starts asking you questions about your cats. So Great. all he wants to do is Great. cat talk for a and bit. And she's so down for this. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the backyard, uh, the three of you, uh, Everett, Evangeline, and Val, along with Percy, are in the backyard. Uh, you can see this is a very run-down rear fence section. There are a number of yards. All of them have wooden fences that do that are that are fully fenced in. So they've all got a line separating them from the townhouse across from them, and then separating the property lines on each side. 
Only the houses are in good repair and the fences are not. A number of boards are missing from the fences across the, the area. The tops of them, some of them are lower. Some of the fence boards are leaning. It would be really easy for a small animal or even a small person to theoretically climb over or crawl through these fences. It looks like the kind of playground that children with bad self-impulse control will have fun right up until they hurt themselves playing on. And when you look to the left, you can see after the line of houses, there is a kind of grassy patch with some trees, and you would assume that is the ravine that is being referred to, because to the right, you can actually see the townhouses go to the end of the block, and you can see houses around the U-shaped kind of end of the development there. What are you looking for? What do you do? I think based on uh, the information that little Jiro has provided us so far, uh, Everett is most interested in arriving at the ravine, but on the way there, we'll keep an eye out for any kind of glaring evidence of trespassing and things like that. But otherwise, he, his thinking is, why would someone climb over this fence to get an animal if the animals come out of people's yards all the time? And Evangeline um, tells Percy to sniff around and see if he can find if like there's any bits of clothing, maybe he got torn on the fence or just any anything that might belong to someone else that got left here. Great. So we'll do two rolls. Uh, one that I need all three of you to make will be dexterity and athletics, which will be your ability to jump over or move through <laughs> the fences towards the ravine. One success. Uh, Two three successes. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, three successes for Evangeline. All right. Evangeline and Everett. You both are successfully hopping over fences and moving between them towards the ravine. Val, you're still not used to your new metal-boned body, yep. which means you're trying to climb them, but after the third house, you're just walking through fence portions. <laughs> just Terminator-style, just smashing wood <laughs> apart. So there's just a clear path from the yard to the ravine by the time you are done and arriving there. <laughs> An attempt was made, but yeah. First fence or two, you tried and failed both times, and then you just accepted that you were going to cause that damage. Uh, Evangeline, can you roll me a charisma plus animal Ken plus animalism roll? Yeah. Difficulty two. Uh, okay. That is four successes. Woo. Percy yeah. gets it. Percy gets it and goes to work while you guys are walking. Uh, it seems like there's nothing inside the fenced area, but Percy also gets to the end way faster than the rest of you, has time to search around, uh, and then comes back with a piece of a Hawaiian shirt that had been torn off on one of the fence posts very proudly and presents it to you. Uh, thanks, buddy. Gives him scratches, gives him a treat. Uh, he was a good boy. Um, <clears throat> And uh, uh, does Evangeline recognize? All right, let's roll. I've met her. Yeah, the odds of this right. are long, which is why it's going to be tough, but we'll go with wits and awareness. Yeah. Just know the difficulty will be high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know if it would make sense that she would know. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> four. That's six successes because I rolled a crit, like two crits. Holy so. shit. Um, <laughs> you've traveled a lot in this town. 
But there's only one person you've seen wear Hawaiian shirts. And you know that this is because there are supply shortages in New Haven. Certain things have not made their way in. And Hawaiian shirts are just not available in the stores, which means somebody has to have brought it in with them. And the only person you've seen wear a Hawaiian shirt is Harv when he came to visit the office and Mm -hmm. gave you comp tickets while telling you that Everett told you you're emotionally troubled. (laughs) Right. Um, Evangeline uh, walks up to Everett and just pushes uh, like the the piece of fabric against his chest and just and just says looks like your friend has some impulse control problems (laughs) as i was like looks like it doesn't And uh, uh, I assume it's very easy for me to confirm uh, Evangeline's uh, conclusion here that this looks like it would belong to Harvey. I, it, it matches the style of Hawaiian shirt that you know he wears. Um, all, all you know is that it's a piece of a Hawaiian shirt because it, just to contextualize, you haven't heard Doris's report on what this person looks like. Yeah. So you've got a torn piece of a Hawaiian shirt. She's guessed Harv. You'd already suspected Harv, so this is like another thing moving you towards that as an answer. Uh, You are now at the edge of the ravine, so you're standing on a green grass peak, which goes sharply downhill. You can see a large number of trees, some of them pine, some of them maple. There's a a mixed spread there. And as you look down, you can see, uh, or at least here among the brush, water running. All right. Well, uh... So far, evidence points towards this being uh, my friend, Harvey. Uh, I think y'all, both of you, met him when he came by the station. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, just something to keep in mind if we run into him back here or something like that. He's not supposed to be in this town, you know. Uh, that uh, Tostarosa fella sponsored his big comedy club tour, keeping him here for a year. I think it's some kind of power move or some kind of political move to keep me in check or keep some kind of influence over me because I'm the sheriff. So maybe Harvey's not acting like himself. Maybe he is and I need to straighten him out, but just keep that in mind if we run into him back here. Uh, I'd like to um, see if I can investigate the ravine for anything resembling tracks or of like both like animal or human nature to see if there's uh a a path that uh this person's following or even like you know like uh bush trails that like animals kind of create just from like repeatedly going through the same place if someone is using the same route to get here over and over again Mm -hmm. um just looking for any kind of evidence like that for just tracking people great yeah let's uh let's roll for it you've got some of your deputies with you who can also assist with this role, I think would be a fair assumption. Val, would you do your own search looking for your own things or would you assist Everett in this pattern? Yeah, I think Val would definitely assist Everett because he's, I think she's doing what she would normally do in this situation, but finds he is doing the same thing at that time, even without discussing it. So it's like, okay, well, she'll just keep an eye, extra eyes on what he's looking at. Great. Then you will get to roll one die. Uh, Evangeline, I'm imagining you're assisting. Yeah. Great. Then you will add a die as well. Uh, And then 
Everett. You will be rolling. I think this is either intelligence or wits and investigation. Okay. Uh, five successes for Everett. <laughs> Add one from Evangeline. Add one from Val. Ooh. Wonderful. Uh, you all stalk down into the ravine. There was a high risk of slipping on the way down, but that does not happen. Uh, and you get a chance to comb through the woods. Uh, you're looking for tracks or the other elements. Uh, it is a, a very kind of wet, uh, marshy style earth around the ravine. So there are some tracks. You can't see a definitive direction, but you can see that there was definitely someone here. And then Percy starts barking uh, and leads you around a corner. And you come to... A, a tragic and horrifying sight. You had heard that there were 20 missing cats that had disappeared over this period of time. However, you come to a, a small cave, a small hole that has been dug of a significant size. And when you look inside it, you can count at least 45 different animals that are dead. Cats, dogs, oh. raccoons. You can see collars on many of them. Oh, God. Which means... This is no longer just a small thing that you don't have to comment on. The phone calls that you've been getting are representative of a larger problem. And it's one you're definitely going to have to explain and solve before the media finds out. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at The Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Weez, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.